Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. You have your host and co-host, Brad and John here today, and we will be talking about everyone's favorite acronym, iOS. We have iOS 17, the link tracking protection in iOS 17 that was recently announced at the Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. And I know John and I have already been getting questions and pinged on what does this mean when it fully rolls out, which John, timing-wise, do you have a sense when this will be out of beta I think this usually comes out in September with the new phones or or somewhere around then. Yeah. Yeah. So quarter away, something like that. Okay. So we are recording this about two weeks before GA4 officially transitioned into the main, everyone's main analytics stack. So just in case you didn't have enough to think about, and we're not even going to say the W word, I'm not going to go there. By the way, a really good plug for a book by Dale Carnegie, How to Start Living and Stop Worrying. Read it. You can go chapter by chapter. It's a really uh, interesting book. The book was written, I think, in 1935, but still stands true today. It's a good one. So have you read that book, John? I'm going on a tangent. I read the famous book, but by the title, it sounds like everyone's going to need that book after they listen to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we are an official affiliate of Dale Carnegie Foundation. Just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to start pushing that book. Anyways, yeah, we're not trying to add more worry here, but we've had a few folks reach out just Wondering what our perspective on John's done a little bit of a deep dive already. I've been traveling the last week, so I haven't done as much of a deep dive personally, other than just reading up on it and just thinking through the potential impacts. Some of this we've, even in our product meetings, John, we've hypothesized this change likely is coming anyways, in addition to other changes we'd see about last week. So in any case, let's just dig into URL parameters, what this iOS 17 release is stating that's going to do. And then I think you're going to put me on the spot for a guess the test on how different click IDs may or may not be impacted. Is that right? Yeah, we're going to bring back an old LOR YouTube bit. See how you do. All righty. Yeah, let's do a quick primer on what a URL parameter is. When somebody comes to your website, let's use Nike. If somebody goes to nike.com, they can go just to nike.com, but they can also add a little bit of information onto the link at the end after a question mark. So it might be best if you don't know what this is to quickly Google it and you'll get a little image of what the URL looks like. But this is present in many, many, many links. It helps with tracking essentially and functionality and other stuff too. So there will be a question mark after the nike.com and then there will be kind of like we call them parameters, but they're just little bits of information. Like UTM parameters, which everyone listening to this probably knows that UTM parameter, UTM medium, UTM source, etc. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a perfect example. UTMs is a perfect example of URL parameters, but it, it also extends beyond just UTMs to arbitrary URL parameters. So you could have like a Facebook click ID that comes in as an FBCL ID. That's a URL parameter and that links Facebook ad clicks to visits. That's the FBC cookie, correct? Yeah, that's the FBC cookie. The click ID in the URL gets turned into a cookie and gets saved and sent to Facebook when events happen on the site. And that's why people, when they ask the question, why doesn't my FBC or click ID in my events parameter? So if they're looking at an events manager in Facebook, 
The question might be, why isn't that 100%? How can I get that 100%? That's because that cookie is only set if a visit to your website is coming with a Facebook click ID URL parameter in place that essentially again sets that cookie and that what's stored and sent with the cappy hits. Yeah, and other channels do this too. TikTok does this. Almost every channel we work with will have a, a click ID of some kind yep. to link the ad clicks. So as you can tell by this brief little conversation, they play a pretty important role in connecting ad clicks to the ad channels that created the click and linking up things that happen on the site with the ad click. They also play a really important role in Google Analytics. And like Brad just mentioned with UTMs, Google Analytics relies heavily on UTMs to understand where traffic is coming from. So a lot of functionality lives in these URL parameters or these query parameters. We rely on them pretty heavily at Elevar and it's actually not just tracking. It goes way beyond tracking, but for our discussion, we'll talk about tracking and analytics. Auto-apply discount codes in Shopify, that happens via a URL parameter, correct? Yeah, yeah. Auto-generating a cart on the fly. So I think I had an old blog article where I was showing how to embed an add to cart button in a blog post. And that's all done through using a Shopify URL with a variant. And then it has URL parameters with the variant ID and quantity and the value. I think that sound right. Yeah. So they're just ways of passing information into the website that go beyond the domain. So hopefully that's clear. If you aren't familiar with this, just Google it. You'll see an image of a URL. You've for sure seen this before. Maybe you don't know what they look like, but... That's that. Just like Brad said, perfect example is UTM parameter. With iOS 17, what we've been told is that they are going to start to strip some query parameters from URLs in private browsing mode, in links from Apple's mail client, and then in iMessage. That's a big deal. Can we break those three down and just go through potential usage? So Apple's private browsing mode, percentage of use. So we have Safari on a mobile device. We have Safari on laptops, Macs, etc. What would be the difference? What's the fifth grade explanation of private browsing mode versus just I click on Safari and load it up on my browser and my phone or laptop? Yeah, private browsing modes, that mode that you go into when you don't want people to know what you were doing on your phone. And that might be a little bit extreme, but if you don't want tracking to happen. So it's a mode on the phone. You have an option to open a tab in and then you get a little bit more privacy in terms of like history, what kind of information is saved. I think you can save cookies in private browsing mode, but it might be wrong. Anyways, you might know a little bit more about it than me. What are you implying there, John? What are you? (laughs) (laughs) What I know is that I think about 20% of people say they've used it before, something like that. That's one of the stats that I read. So if you have an iPhone, I'm just pulling it up. If you have an iPhone, you can play along. Just click on Safari in the bottom of your screen. Click on a new window or tab. I don't even know what iPhone I, I, I'm not the latest. I'm thinking I'm two years behind, so it might be a little bit different, but mine at the bottom says 95 tabs. You click on that and then you'll see an option for private and then you'll see options for a new empty tab group, etc. So that's similar to incognito on Chrome if you're going incognito, which if you're an analyst, we're doing this all day, every day because we want to go into modes that have fresh cookies, no cache, etc. because we're testing. Obviously, a normal person isn't going incognito for that reason, but it's a very similar example, I would say. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe you're looking for a ring for your girlfriend and you don't want her to know you're looking for that ring. So you go into private browsing mode because she's, you know, creeping your phone and seeing what you're up to, something like that. But there are other uses beyond that. I think some people just always browse in private browsing mode just as like a practice for privacy. So it's not this obscure thing. It's used quite frequently. Yeah. Okay. Now, Apple Mail, that's probably, I would say, the three might be the bigger, just based on some of the stats that I've been reading about Apple Mail usage. So explain what that looks like. Someone has Apple Mail configured on their phone. They get an email from Nike. The links like everyone is doing, whether you're doing it knowingly or unknowingly by just having configurations in your Klaviyo account for default UTMs and just Klaviyo and other platforms, they are automatically going to append click IDs. So talk through how that works in the Apple Mail scenario for scenario number two, where this impact would come into play. Yeah, so I read yesterday, Apple Mail has something like 55% of the market. So it's a big app lots of people are using. The idea is that if you receive a link in an email and you click through that link, you don't have to be in private browsing mode anymore as far as I understand. You click in a link in mail and some parameters, some query parameters, URL parameters will be stripped. Yep. And then third is message. Messages, yeah. So iMessages, similar to mail. If somebody sends you a link, this could be a promotional message from something like attentive, like an SMS promo message, or it could also be a link that came from somewhere on the internet that gets passed through to you. And that's probably less likely to carry the parameters we're, we're concerned about. Yeah. And SMS, like you said, with attentive would. Would. Yeah. If a friend sends you a link to a product on a store, it's very unlikely. But yeah, promo stuff will. Yeah. Okay. So just to recap where we are. Apple's dev conference announced iOS 17, and one of the announcements was called link tracking protection, roughly speaking, sometime this fall, right before Black Friday, which is great timing for everybody. And we'll have a link in the show notes to, is it Corey Underwood has a really good article on this, very active in Measure Slack, et cetera. So thanks, Corey, for putting this out there for everybody. I think this is straight from Apple's docs as well, their dev docs, but just giving you before the link tracking protection after LTP. So nike.com slash ad engagement and then a question mark click ID equals ABC123. And then after this change rolls out, so if you're getting this email from Nike or attentive in a message, then that click ID equals ABC123 in theory will no longer be there. It'll be stripped by Apple except for this campaign ID. So think IR click ID with impact radius or FB click ID or G click ID, etc. So that's where we're at. And we went through just where this will impact. So if it's a Chrome or anything outside of the world of Apple, doesn't sound like this will be impacted. What about Firefox or other browsers that are using WebKit? Are they impacted? I don't know how that works, but I don't think so. I think this is an Apple initiative that's only in Safari right now. Okay. And only on a phone, only in iOS devices. I think it's going to come to all devices. They're talking about it in iOS 17. Yeah. But I think this is going to happen on the Mac too. Okay. All right. So now this is where you grill me and do a little guess the test. What are we doing here next? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to bring back an old bit called guess the test. Basically what I did was I downloaded the beta of iOS 17 and I tested some links with some very common click IDs that we are using every day and just checked what actually got passed through in the URL, so what was being stripped. So I have a list of a couple important ones and then a couple random ones. And 
I'm going to give you the click ID. I'll give a little explanation of what the click ID is, what channel it is. And then you tell me if Safari stripped it. Okay. So the first one is the Google click ID. This click ID is for Google ads and it not only carries information about the ad, it can also carry information about UTMs like source and medium. So do you think Safari stripped the Google click ID? 100% stripped. That's my guess. Bang on. Yep. Stripped. All right. A little bit of a weird one, and it makes sense, but Google does this auto-tagging, and that's going to go to hell with this, right? So that's probably one of the implications of all this. Maybe we won't dig too deep into that right now. Let's do implications just to set the stage for everyone. So we'll go through the click IDs, and then we have implications on our doc here. We'll go through implications. That way we can maybe do some more scenarios. Sure. So next one, same click ID, Google click ID, but this time there's UTMs. Do you think that the UTMs make it through? Mm. I'm going to say G click ID is gone, UTMs stay. That's exactly it. So you're okay with your standard five UTM parameters. They still come through. Yeah. Okay, next one. Facebook click ID, FBCL ID. Does it come through or not? Unless Facebook has opened up a large check or bank account wire transfer to Apple, I'm going to say that the FB click ID was also stripped. Correct. Gone. This one is a little bit surprising. So now we'll talk about the Clavio ones. Clavio has two that come through. One's called UPN. Yeah. One's called underscore KX. These values link the user's activity on the site after they click back to Clavio. What do you think? Do they come through or not? I don't have enough time to go through the list of 28,000 known trackers that is used <laughs> in the known tracker list for Safari or for WebKit. So, and I also I have bias because you said it's a little bit of surprising. So, if I didn't hear that bias, I would say it's stripped, but hearing that bias, I'm going to say they are maintained. Oddly, they are maintained. They come through just fine. So, I'm I'm batting 100% so far. You are. Yeah, I'm going to try and mess that up, but we don't have that many left. <laughs> TikTok click ID, does that come through? No way. It does. For now. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're getting the same sense that I did. This seems like it's probably going to be updated. Yeah. I assume that this is going to change. But as of now, TikTok, the TT click ID is not stripped. Yeah, it comes through. It comes through just fine. So does the impact radius, the IR click ID. Okay. So last one is just like an arbitrary ID. I put in Elevar underscore test. Do you think that one comes through? Yes. It does. Because I'm assuming these others, so the Clavio click IDs, uh, impact radius, if they're not being stripped, they must not be part of the list of query params that they're going to strip by default. So yeah. So that's the general landscape right now. Google and Facebook are being blocked. TikTok isn't. Clavio isn't. But like you said, I have a feeling this is going to change. I have a feeling that they've blocked a couple to show people how this is going to work. Yeah. The arbitrary one is very interesting because that was when I first read this last week. I immediately went to thinking about everyone that's using any attribution platform. So Triple Whale, Northbeam, Wicked Reports, I think Rockerbox, I'm assuming they do some query pram as well. But I know that's part of the onboarding is adding these custom query params to all of their ad links. Uh, at least that's the way it used to be. They all or none of them may have changed, but I immediately was thinking like, oh my gosh, is this going to impact all of those? And everyone will have to go through once it's rolled out and, and either revert to UTMs or just, I don't know, have some other mechanism. But everyone will want to watch this to see if arbitrary click IDs are at some point in the future removed as well based on an update. 
Yeah. And, and what would that mean that only UTMs are allowed in URLs? Like, I don't know. Anyways, that's sort of the state of things. And maybe the next thing to do is talk about what this means for tracking and analytics. Let's go back to the auto tagging, the Google ads auto tagging. People listening to this, you're likely a heavy Google ad spender. So maybe just give a quick overview on what auto tagging is and what it does and the implications of auto tagging being or the G click ID being stripped. Yeah. So standard setup on an ad channel, you get a click ID that comes through and you also want to add some UTM information. Like let's say we're advertising on Facebook. We add UTM underscore source as Facebook and UTM underscore medium as PPC or something like that. So that we have the click ID, but then we also get the analytics information in Google Analytics or any other platform. Those UTMs carry analytics information. With Google Analytics, they have this feature where they sort of stick together the click ID and the UTM information all into a click ID. So the GCL ID you could think of containing the ad click information along with UTM information. So you can determine in Google Analytics, at least, that somebody has come from a Google Ads click just by the GCL ID. It does not need to have UTM parameters on it. So that seems like it'll be a problem because I, I don't know if it's changed, but I think 80% of brands likely rely on auto tagging and only those that are slightly more sophisticated or have to do some customization are doing their own manual tagging in all Google Ads links or ads? Yeah. In fact, I think we sort of recommend against doing manual tagging because it can cause issues. You really have to know what you're doing in order to do that. Yeah. Okay. So let's use another implication. Impact radius, since that's a common one, I don't know Rakuten is similar, but other affiliates very heavily or solely reliant on a click ID. So think about, I'll use the mattress example. I'm Googling for a mattress. I land on best five mattresses for fit 40-year-olds. And I click on a mattress and it sends me to a site and it has, so that link has the IR click ID or share cell SS click ID, et cetera. And that click ID, at least in the world of Elevar, is what we need to persist and pass with a conversion. So if those links are eventually stripped, then what happens? You have a lot of angry people who aren't getting paid for referring people to your site. Yeah. We won't go into the weeds on all the different scenarios or workarounds, but their way of attribution within the world of Apple would need to change. Yep. A hundred percent. The clicks would look like, well, they would probably look like direct clicks. Maybe if they have UTMs, they would still look like they came from a specific blog or something like that. But when we send that information to Impact, in your example, Impact wouldn't recognize that that purchase came from somebody associated with the platform. Yeah. And that IR click ID, is that also what sets the cookie? If we go back four or five years, not many people are pushing for server-side integrations for conversion tracking for Impact or ShareSale or Rakuten, et cetera, because it was just copy and paste the script and change out these dynamic variables and our cookie, all of our cookies we're setting will do all the work for us and for you. People won't revert back to that, correct? No, I don't think so, because really all that those scripts typically do is they're constantly waiting to see Let's take the impact script. It's constantly looking for URLs with an IR click ID. Yeah. And as soon as it finds that, it saves it in a cookie, like you said. And then that cookie is then checked for at the time of a purchase, let's say. Yeah. Do we have this cookie? If we do, that was the IR click ID. So let's send it along and we can link up everything that just happened. Yeah. 
But if it's never present in the URL, it's going to come up empty-handed. My guess here is platforms will start to have a backup mechanism just so you don't have that oh crap moment of, okay, now it is being stripped because Apple made an update. That's a hypothesis that I'm, I'm guessing will come into fruition. And we won't get into a future episode on LVR and what we're doing or will do for this, but I'm assuming many of these platforms will start to adopt backup mechanisms for that just-in-case scenario. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like There are, and maybe we should just jump into this now, but there's some obvious ways around this, and I really don't know how they're going to prevent getting around this. So one, one obvious one for me is, why not just put the click ID in a UTM? And I think you kind of alluded to that earlier. If Apple stops allowing UTMs into the browser, that's really extreme. And just like my personal opinion on this, I think this is the most aggressive tracking protection they've ever done. I think it's more aggressive than third-party cookies. In essence, if this works as it's supposed to, it would shut down essentially all tracking. Because Apple wants everyone to use their own tracking campaign ID. Uh, I forget what the what they call it, but it's been something that they've had out for a while. It was part of the whole initial ITP rollout and then using very specific query params to connect sessions to conversions. I don't know what the impetus is of this, but probably. Anyways, having said that, the couple ways around, one of them is the UTM. So how this would work potentially is, let's go back to Impact Radius. Impact Radius says, okay, Instead of us sending an IR click ID as a parameter, we're just going to send UTM content with our click ID. Mm -hmm. And then our script is going to assume anything in that UTM content with, let's say there's a bit of formatting so they can check. Maybe it's prefixed with impact or something like that. We're just going to assume that's the click ID. So that's a pretty easy solve. Except for having to get all those links updated that are scattered across all affiliate sites. Oh yeah, for sure. Brutal, brutal pain. But worth it, right? Because otherwise, if you're advertising, you're not getting paid on a channel like Impact. So not easy, but seems to be a workaround there. There's also seems to be a workaround in the arbitrary parameter. So we talked about this LVR underscore test. Yeah. Most channels will allow you to send the click ID under any name. So instead of sending it under FBCL ID, what if I send it under LVR underscore FBCL ID or LVR underscore FB or something more encoded than that? That seems like it's going to work because it's unlikely they're going to not allow anything but UTMs in the URL. This isn't directed at you specifically, but if we just take a step back, G click ID, FB click ID, they're arbitrary. They're just being stripped because I'm assuming Apple knows that it's set by Google or set by Facebook. So it'd have to be randomized. If let's say Facebook changed from Facebook click ID and I don't know, now it was randomized to something that kept rotating, then not to play the what if game, but that might get us to, okay, they're just going to strip everything automatically, except for the Apple approved. Yeah, but what about at the merchant level? If each merchant is using some custom value, that would be really hard to track unless you do what you just said, where you say, okay, no arbitrary URL values at all. Hopefully they don't go this way, but it seems likely they'll go whitelist. So instead of having a list of query params they're going to strip, they're just going to flip and just have a set of params that they won't strip that they'll quote unquote approve. And then one of the other things that popped into my head when I was trying to hatch plans to get around this is, you know, you can just put this in the path. Oh, yeah. It's painful, but you can just make some arbitrary value in the path. So now we're talking about before you get to the question mark in the URL, 
you could have some arbitrary part in the path and your server understands that, you know, if something's encoded this way, that's a click ID and we need to grab that and send it along. And that is never going to get stopped because if they start messing with the path in your browser, I have a feeling that functionality of websites will be affected. It'll be really hard to figure out, like, is this a functional thing in the URL or is this a query? Is this, what is this? And it would be a mug scheme. Yeah. They'll break the internet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe that's where we're going here, where, you know, the server has to be really involved in picking up this information. But I would not expect them to start looking at URL paths and trying to understand whether that path contains something with a click ID or not. I pulled up Apple's private click measurement. So this is, I think it's called different things over the years when it first came out with ITP, but their motivation and goals. So at the very top is classic ad attribution on the web is done with cookies carrying user or device IDs. Such attribution constitutes cross-site tracking, which WebKit is committed to preventing. Websites should not be able to attribute data of an ad click and a conversion to a single user as part of large-scale tracking. At the same time, we want to support measurement of online advertising. PCM achieves this trade-off by sending attribution reports with limited data and a dedicated private browsing mode without any cookies, delaying reports randomly between 24 and 48 hours to disassociate events in time, and handling data on device. So translation, you're going to have to subscribe to some API from iOS, then they'll give you, I'm assuming this is similar to the Facebook iOS change from a couple years ago, but they just get randomized samples of conversion data that they're the gatekeeper, essentially. That's the way that I interpret that particular paragraph. Yeah, following up on that, and one last thing to maybe chat about is, I don't think it's so crazy to think that Apple starts putting up a screen that says, do you want to allow this website to track you just like they do in the app? And I saw this, I can't take credit for this. I'm sure other people are thinking about it, but I got this idea from a LinkedIn comment. But that's probably not such a crazy idea that there's a little pop-up that says, do you want to allow this website to track you? So now we'd be outside of private browsing mode. This would just be your standard Safari browser. And people are just opting out. And I think it's like 5% opt-in or something like that. So that's a serious, serious potential future world we might be living in. Yeah, we've chatted, I think might have been episode one with Thomas. We were talking about browsers potentially being the quote-unquote consent gatekeepers at some point in the future. That was a potential where you are consenting into the browser versus each individual site. But another topic for another day, maybe we'll talk about that soon. But Anything else? This is iOS 17. Hopefully it's not breaking everyone's soul with a GA4 uh, stress on top. But again, we've been getting questions on it and thought we would share a little perspective. Nothing's immediate, so likely things will change. We'll certainly have another episode or two on this as it gets closer to, I guess, real time in September. John, anything else that you want to cover on today's episode? Not really. Overall, I don't think this is the apocalypse, but being educated on this is really, really important because for sure, you'll read articles telling you that this is the apocalypse, 100%. (laughs) I haven't been on Twitter in probably a week, but I'm almost certain there's likely many of these threads going on right now. Yeah, so we'll stay on top of it. You should too. And I'm sure that, you know, the way we do things will accommodate some of these issues in the future. Cool. Alrighty, that's it for this episode. See you in the next one. See you in the next one. Bye. Did you enjoy today's episode? 
If so, we release two new episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcasts. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or a review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar. That's E-L-E-V-A-R. Or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again. Thanks again.